You're listening to the Rabbit Room Podcast. Visit us at rabbitroom.com for more information. Hello, this is Jonathan Rogers. Welcome to the Rabbit Room Podcast. Painter and author Mako Fujimura has become one of the most important voices articulating the relationship between faith and art in our culture. When I heard he was a special advisor on Martin Scorsese's film adaptation of Endo's novel, Silence, I was thrilled. When I heard he was coming to Nashville this past spring, I was even more thrilled and invited him to sit down to talk about Silence the movie, Silence the novel, and Mako's own most recent book, Beauty and Silence, which explores Japan's Christ-haunted aesthetics. Well, I'm with uh, Mako Fujimura uh, here in Nashville, so mm-hmm. thankfully you've got a busy day, and I appreciate you making time. I know you sure. could have been uh, checking out the Honky Tonks or eating hot <laughs> chicken or, uh, or maybe I'll shopping at the, the Opryland Mall, <laughs> right. but thank you that you took this time sure. with me. Um, in another segment uh, of this that will be on the same podcast, Thomas McKenzie and I talked about mm. Silence, Silence um, yeah. the novel, and of course we don't. We were excited about the fact that there's mm. the movie coming out. Yes. And when I knew you were coming to town, I thought I would love to get your some mm-hmm. of your insights on sure. on Silence, and mm-hmm. and you had a role in the in the movie, right? As a special advisor, uh, it, it, it's a small role, very small right. role, but 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 it, it, uh, important one because you know I was uh, given the early script um, to comment on and. And me and Philip, Philip Yancey actually, we were able to oh, okay. give some feedback. And and then I was able to go on the set in, in Taipei uh-huh. uh, twice. And um, this time invited by the executive producer and producer. And um, so I, I was able to observe uh, some of the extraordinary f- filmmaking of uh, Martin Scorsese. Yeah. Um, it, it was really amazing to see. Um, is it, uh, I don't know what you can talk about, what you can't talk about, yeah. but to what extent was it, is it sort of stripped down? Is it is it very ornate? What, what's, what, well, what they the recreated s- 17th century Japanese um, Temple and uh, the, the, in Nagasaki scenery that um, you can do in tai- Taipei. Taipei has Japanese influence, so, uh-huh. so there, there's it's a perfect climate to do that. But mm-hmm. but to see it, actually, the commitment that they made to be accurate it was was amazing. Yeah. So we were Thomas and I were were wondering. Um, with a book that is so interior, where, mm-hmm. where the conflict mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. is so internal, mm-hmm. we were just wondering, how do you, how do, you do a movie of that? But well, can you shed is, any light on that? Or? Yeah, well, when, when I talked to Martin Scorsese, he, he said that this is a perfect uh, story to do uh, Hitchcock, uh-huh. which he meant that um, a lot of... Um, you know this visible reality of the trauma and torture and all that can be done in a way that is both suspenseful and possibly even more uh, powerful um, by the, giving that in, interior life to visual cues, matching it to visual cues. As you know, Endo is also a highly visual writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he painted. He he would carry around a sketchbook. I didn't know that. Yeah, you know, whenever he goes to research for a book, he'll do all his historical research and the facts. Um, but then he'll go on this pilgrimage on on the location, and he will start sketching, literally, uh, literally sketching with, with a sketchbook. And uh, this is how he wrote his his novel. So in some of the sections in. Su- 
violence, you, you can almost uh, see him doing sure. this. Yeah. And and so in that sense, it's a, it's a very um, you know easy transfer, if you want to call it that, to 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 a medium film. Um, but um, I think with you know Mr. Scorsese's uh, gift, um, this this is going to be quite a powerful. Experience. Yeah. Do we know when the movie's coming out? December. December. Okay. Yeah. I knew it was by the end of the end of yeah, it, it 2016, but I didn't know it was that close. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. going to be great. I'm yeah. really excited about it. Yeah. Well, it'll be, uh, um, I think it's 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 going to be a film for the ages. Um, he, you know, Martin, Martin Scorsese has been trying to make this film for 25 years. Right. Uh, he considers this his life work, his uh, probably most important work. Um, and and so he's taking his time in post-edit, uh, which he should. And yeah. uh, he, I know he wants this to be perfect so yeah so your book is called silence and beauty correct yeah. uh, it, the subtitle is um, hidden faith born of suffering hmm. so it's tracing i began the book uh, <clears throat> writing um, um, a way for readers to um, understand silence uh, from uh, silence, history, the silence the book yeah. Yeah, and those book yeah and and possibly the movie because I, at that point i knew the script was pretty faithful to the book mm-hmm. and <clears throat> martin scorsese wanted to honor endo um mm-hmm. in in that way so so i thought it was important for the reader to have a context of japanese culture and uh, to to be able to understand the book i, I didn't realize when i started writing it it, it became so autobiographical mm-hmm. because of what i experienced in japan becoming um becoming a christian in uh uh, you know, land where there's only less than two percent Christian population, and I came to faith as a graduate student in Japan um, with my wife. I was there, and she she had a lot to do with this. But um, and that experience led to my discovery of Endo's book, mm-hmm. which is um, as you know, a traumatic book to read if you're a brand new believer. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> um, <laughs> but that was my baptism. That was my yeah. baptism into, and that was important because, as if God was impressing upon me that the faith you have, um, you know, embraced, it's not easy. Yeah. And, and it's it's filled with questions and m- moments of darkness and um, and this this yeah. is your baptism is that you know through the experience of looking at Fumie these stepping blocks that I encountered um, right after I was baptized I I, I encountered these seventeenth uh, century uh, objects uh, bronze plates that were cast with the images of Jesus or Virgin Mary that. Christians were asked to step on, to trample on, and yeah. and, and that was how they uh, could tell whether the person was a believer or not. Mm-hmm. And um, those who hesitated uh, were arrested and tortured. This went on for 250 years, and uh, so this this I didn't know anything about mm-hmm. when I became a Christian. Uh-huh. So um, this was my um, true baptism. I and that um, wow. I I had to deal with. Yeah. So, okay, you spent your adolescence and early adulthood in the United States, right? Actually, I was born in the States, and uh-huh. um, then I went to Sweden, Okay. and I went to grade school in Japan. Okay. So, um, right. Japan Japan is my uh, roots, but... Uh-huh. Uh, but it wasn't yeah. when you were in the States among 
more than one or two percent Christian that you right. It was it wasn't yeah it wasn't uh, then that I embraced Christ. It was back in Japan. Yeah, yeah. Um, And is there a um, is there a an uninterrupted line? I guess I mean this this is not a I know there's not an uninterrupted line of of Christians in Japan from from the from the 16th century to now. Um, Well, you know that. Um, a lot of what people assume about Japan is that uh, because of the many, many difficulties that missionaries had over the years, that um, Japan is very resistant to the gospel. But I actually argue in the book that Japan is uh, a hidden Christ nation. Hmm. Um, and so much of what began, most people don't know that in 5050s there were 300,000 Christians in Kyoto alone. That's more than 20% of the population. So Kyoto, the, the capital of Japan, where all of the Japanese art forms were birthed, mm. uh, were f- filled with Christians and yeah. Christian influence. So from that, you can at least surmise that uh, Christianity had enormous influence in Japanese culture uh, because most of the refinement uh, happened after that in 17th century and 18th century. And and those refinements came about due, due to uh, the confluence of uh, many things, but certainly Christ- Christianity was one of those things. Yeah. So in my book, I... I trace some of that through looking looking at it through an, uh, through through art, uh, through an eye of, uh, eyes of an artist rather than um, uh, possibly you know it's not a historical book, right. but but it is certainly um, it can be conjectured that much of what we know about Japanese culture it had has been influenced by Christianity. So Japan is Christ haunted. Yes, like the South. just like the South. Yes, yeah. I use that yeah. metaphor. Oh, really? Yes, and um, you know when uh, um, Flannery O'Connor said that uh, um, truth, truth, truth shall set you free. Um, yeah. You know, and she she said, but really, what happens is truth just make you odd. Right. Yeah. And. Um, for Endo, that was that was so resonant. Um, that, that that statement applies to Endo's life. Yeah. The truth had indeed made him quite odd uh-huh. in the country. You know, did did Endo interact with uh, with Flannery O'Connor? I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, this is this is curious um, overlap to me. In fact, I spent a great, uh, great deal of time discussing Flannery O'Connor and Endo because of the uh, the seminar that they, they faced um, with trauma, with uh, illness, uh, uh-huh. both of them. So Indo um, lived with illness. Yeah, tuberculosis very early on. Uh, he w- was one of the um, first Japanese students to study in France, and he couldn't finish uh, his PhD because he contracted tuberculosis, and he was in an isolation ward in Paris huh. for for a while, um, and then he had to go home. And so that just that like had a, just like Flannery O'Connor. So that they yeah. they had very similar experiences early on. Their their careers writers that defined their language. And yeah. O'Connor's case, it became this violent re- yeah. reality of you know uh, us needing to wake up to um, the, the God's presence in the world through trauma. Yeah. 
in Endo's case, it, trauma language of trauma it literally became a universal language to uh, communicate through. Ah, uh, yeah. you may not know. I, I um, my most recent book was a biography of Flannery O'Connor oh, I didn't called know that. Uh, "The oh, Terrible wow. Speed of Mercy." Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah. Wow. Well, so I, I would be fascinated um, it, 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 of your reaction to this because you know. Um, Paul Eadie's book, um, you know, isn't that a great book? Yeah, it's a great book. I and, love that and, book. And I, I, I think tracing. You, you could. I, I actually wrote a, a chapter on all of those figures that you know Eadie talks about, but but I decided just to stick with Paul Ricardo. <laughs> you're talking. The book you're talking about is um, life. You say maybe your own. The life you say may be your own. Yes, and um, so um, I'm, I'm fascinated with. Um, how the Catholic intellectuals of 20th century in America who felt so exiled from America, you yeah. know, especially Flannery O'Connor in the Protestant South, you know, yeah. Christ haunted South. Yeah. And how Endo, in kind of a reverse uh, situation where, you know, you would think that he was uh, completely isolated because the, the Japan is not a Christian nation. Right. But they have very similar experiences, and that uh, that leads me to think that uh, that just as South is Christ haunted, Japan also was Christ yeah. haunted. I love that, and that's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I, I ran across something um, that you early in your adulthood you you had a. Um, a professor who made you read Flannery O'Connor, Walter yes, Percy, and that that's had an right, impact yes. on you. Yes, I, yes, that's yeah, right. Yeah, that, that, yeah. Uh, that got me fired up, as you can Yeah, yeah. that's right. That was my freshman writing class, believe Isn't it or not. Isn't that amazing? Uh, that's great. The first literature class I had about now, uh, Professor Taylor had, had us read, you know, um, O'Connor, and, and um, they, they I mean, what an introduction to English literature! Right? Yeah, right. But but it was it was um, you know I was still struggling with my English at the time, and mm. it was it was it was very difficult coming up with paper every week on uh, these short stories. But um, you know, yeah. It, it, and you said Walter Percy was, was one of the Walter, people you well, yeah, but later on. That, uh-huh. that, was, that wasn't that class. That wasn't but, that class. you know, and, and throughout my Bucknell years and beyond, I, I became fascinated, uh, because, maybe because of Flannery O'Connor, um, with this overlap of religion and literature. And I, I wasn't, you know, a, a Christian at all. Mm-hmm. But, but Milton, uh, Shakespeare, and Blake, and, you know, I began reading books on American literature from Thoreau to Dickinson and that that framed how I uh, how I write how you know to this day um, Hmm. much of what I how I think about you know uh, what what framed well I think I think it's it's this relationship between faith and art or um, how authors uh, grappled with um, theology or faith issues, you know, and it's you can you can go through Whitman, uh, Dickinson, uh, Melville, Hawthorne to Hemingway to you know O'Connor. I mean, there's yeah. a, there's a strand of modern um, writers struggling, and then and then of course people like T.S. Eliot and you know very important figures, right? That that. Um, that created another, I, I think, new new way of addressing faith in modern times. So, th- those are important to me. Yeah. Yeah. As as Endo, 
ends up being right you know, on that canon. Of yeah, man, you've, you've rung my bells by, by making these connections between Endo and, and yeah. Flannery O'Connor and, yeah. and yeah. her her ilk. Yeah. Um, and so uh, Walker Percy, what, what Walker Percy were you first exposed to? Um, Do you remember? The, the, uh, it was, uh, I don't remember which book I read, but it was, uh, it was um, you know, you, you, you get these, um, what do you call it, consortiums or, you know, mm-hmm. these, these, these books that has all these Oh, yeah. Stories, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I don't remember which which uh-huh. short story, but it was a short yeah. story. Huh. Yeah, because I, you know, I read the moviegoer in college, and mm-hmm. you know, it, it, I liked it fine, yeah. but I wasn't ready for the moviegoer in college. I, when I read it right. in my thirties, right. well, that's that's true about moviegoer. Yes, that's true. Yeah. And I, 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 I didn't read that until later, but but that that is true. Same, same is true of Elliot. Um I, I don't I don't think I could have appreciated four quartets you yeah, know, in college. Right. Yeah. Know, yeah. I uh, I teach four quartets every couple of years uh, and I yeah. uh, love it more every year. It's I, amazing, isn't it? How, it is and I, I have I have been I've always been um prejudiced against Elliot. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't mm-hmm. want to like Elliot. Mm-hmm. And I'm, it's <laughs> yes. taken me a long time to, yeah. to decide, but I, I love... He was somebody I always admired more than I loved. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I, I totally get that. The, I, it's, yeah. it's really yeah. the fake British accent yeah. that gets yes. me. You know, he's from St. Louis, right? He grew up from St. Louis. 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 Yeah, and he speaks with this really plummy British <laughs> accent, and I just don't like it. Yeah, when you read, when you hear him reading his own poems, it's, it's horrible. Yeah, <laughs> right? is, is, is your accent real? Is this a real Japanese? <laughs> Is, okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I, just, I always have, I have to no ask. choice. Yeah. <laughs> I always, yeah. Uh, I'll try a British accent sometimes at some point. With yeah, you, right. but, yeah. Yeah. Um, here's something you might find interesting. Um, Caroline Gordon Tate uh, actually lived in Nashville at the time. This was in the in the um, would have been re- around 1950 when Nashville was a little more a little more central to the to the literary world than it mm-hmm. is now. Um, and she became a Catholic. Um, and then took it upon herself to, to sort of be a patron of the of the arts mm. for wow. for the Catholic, you know, sort of to, to gather up and encourage yeah. Catholic writers. And so people would would send their discoveries mm. to her. Mm. And in the same week, um, she received in the mail um, the manuscript of a, a writer she never heard of named Flannery O'Connor, mm. and mm. another writer she never heard of named uh, Walker Percy. Mm. Wow! And oh, so she got Wise Blood and his other the, oh, Walker Percy's novel. Um, it was one I'm not even familiar with. I'm not. Huh. I don't know huh. if it got published or not. Huh. But, um, but the, wow. could you imagine the same yeah. week being discovering Walker <laughs> Percy and, and Flannery O'Connor? And you wonder if that that kind of thing can happen today. You know, with the, with the literature. It's, yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. can I ask you a? I was listening to an interview you did. Maybe it was at the, the Cairn University thing mm-hmm. you did. I saw it mm-hmm. on YouTube. And you said, you made a comment, this was in 2012, and you mm-hmm. said, beauty is back, mm-hmm. which I was happy to hear. Yeah. <laughs> um, whatever that means. Whatever that yeah. means, right. Yeah. And, uh, and creativity is out. <laughs> is, is out, but maybe coming back. Yeah, so that was four knows? years ago. It's creativity. Yeah. I don't First know. of all, what did I, you mean? Yeah, I, I, I said that, you know, I hear from MFA students going to these art schools and and there's always these uh, uh, forbidden zones, you know, uh-huh. that they, they're, they're not allowed to discuss. And right. beauty was in the 90s that, you know, uh-huh. you were you were severely corrected if you <laughs> mentioned beauty. And then in, after 2001, 2002, it was creativity, you know. And so I wonder what's next. And, yeah, right. and I, I don't know if we've gotten over that yet. Um, but uh, So yeah. if... if 
to say to speak of creativity in, in MFA world right. is to what? what in what way is well that it, it's too nebulous troublesome? it's um, there is attachment um, to the past I suppose that is um, that brings in all these elements um, that we want to be free of you know mm-hmm. this creativity is kind of like this you know everybody's creative or you know this this yeah. this, this term that that does nothing to help an, an artist to be uh, articulate about cultural realities it's 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 just not a useful term anymore because mm. it's been hijacked by so many mm-hmm. different you know so you have business people talking about creativity I'm sure that's part of it is <laughs> yeah, right. you know like creative economy you know yeah, right. uh, creative cities you know that, I yeah. mean, it, it means nothing anymore yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> so that's probably I still use it so uh-huh. <laughs> I'll probably yeah, right. get kicked out you know <laughs> uh, well and it, it's a word that connects us to the word creation well right? yeah and, yeah. and, and, and uh, that's why I, I kept on insisting using beauty Redefining it as going through Japanese aesthetic uh, of the beautiful, which is related to sacrifice, which is related to Christ's sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, 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 that's why I defended beauty, and I would defend creativity because creativity is is a marker of God, and um, whether you like the word or not, it's it's something that we need to be talking about. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. And you say then the Japanese definition of beauty. Um, it's tied to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, can you expand on that a little bit? How is that different? Well, from, Japanese from the... ideogram for beauty is literally two ideograms, uh, and uh, Japanese um, writing is comprised of Chinese ideograms, kanji, and and also uh, phonetic alphabets. Uh, the Chinese ideograms are, are pictograms, are, are very distinct, and Japanese. Um, uh, kanji for beauty is literally comprised of sheep and um, great or large um, which uh, really when you look at Japanese aesthetic it means that beauty is um, well it used to be in China what was beautiful was a fat sheep <laughs> coming into a banquet you okay. know, and, and then in Japan that concept became highly refined and it became instead of this fat sheep it became a great sacrifice that is part of nature so um, whenever we enjoy a great meal we are enjoying the sacrifice of animals and vegetables mm, and yeah. so forth the nature uh, when we see beauty and um, in um, cherry blossoms falling uh, like it is today right. um, you're witnessing something dying hmm. you know and it's being sacrificed for the sake of beauty um, now and for in the future so so those those are particular zones that Japanese refined and, and developed in their aesthetics and start, starting in 15th, 16th century it goes on yeah, yeah, right. yeah, gets refined very interesting mm-hmm. well Marco thank you so much for taking this time with me I really have enjoyed it yeah. and I hope we can do it again soon. okay look forward to that alright thanks thank you for more information about the Rabbit Room and the Rabbit Room podcast visit us at rabbitroom.com the music on this podcast was composed and performed by Andrew Senga from his album Solar Wind Solar Wind